From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 554, GDPR and You, with guest Seb Matthews. Recorded Monday, October 2nd, 2017. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio, freshly back from Ignite. And picked up a few shows there, which you've probably already heard. And now I'm into the block after Ignite, starting with Seb Matthews, who's a consultant, entrepreneur, and community supporter with over 20 years of experience working with organizations of all shapes and sizes to get the very best out of Microsoft Technologies. And since 2009, he's founded several technology companies and sits as a board member on a number of different tech startups in an advisory capacity. And most recently, Seb launched Extacloud, a business focused on software and services for the Microsoft Cloud with its marquee offering, Extastore being the first truly ground-up native cloud service for record management in Office 365. When he's not in the cloud, Seb spends his time with family and enjoys outdoor and country pursuits. Welcome, sir. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be here and to join the annals of fantastic shows you've had before. So uh, I'm super, super delighted to be here. I'm I'm kind of embarrassed it's been this long, you know, after 500 and something shows, you probably should have been on a huck of a lot sooner because you've been (laughs) out in the community for forever as a speaker in the SharePoint space and obviously in the Office 365 space. And there's there's always a ton going on. I feel like SharePoint got a really good bump at Ignite this year. Just There is going to be another one. Here comes 2019, released in 2018, because math, you know. <laughs> you know, it, I think it's testament to, uh, there's, there's two or three things I've noticed in recent times that are really testament to the health of kind of the SharePoint world. And, and you know, the first one is just the sheer number of, like, leading light community figures that are going back to being a blue badge or becoming a blue badge for the first time, you know something amazing is happening when something's going on. Yeah, exactly. But the vendor can persuade these people, the Chris McNulty's, the Dan Holmes, the Naomi Moneypennies, you know, the re- the people that everybody in our world, our SharePoint world looks to, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, when they're going to Redmond, you know, something's awesome. The second thing as well is just Teeper and his commitment. You've already touched it. You know, the, his commitment to keeping the on-premises customer happy. Well, just having Teeper back, I think, you know, I mean, he's been there for a while now, but I feel like he is the driving force behind SharePoint. Totally. I mean, he, he, we, we all call him the, dependent on who you are, he's either gets called the father, the grandfather, or the godfather of SharePoint. <laughs> and and again, you know, it takes, you know, he, he, he went off, didn't he? And he, he kind of joined a kind of Satya team, didn't he? To yeah. do some of the kind of the reshaping of the organization. And then to kind of have such love for a product to say, do you know what? I could live this exec, exec life for the rest of my Microsoft career. Actually, what I actually want to do is go back to the stuff that gets me out of bed every day. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, Teeper is, you know, he's unique. I mean, you know him, I know him. He's he's unique in his energy. He's unique in his vision. And he's also, in, in older Microsoft, you know, he's been there forever, right? Yeah. I remember seeing stuff from in the 90s when yeah. I was there. Well over 20 years. And, you know, he's just 
passion for it is just second to none. I love that. I love that about him. Yeah. But enough about him. It's not about him. <laughs> Actually, it kind of is. But <laughs> in, in a way, it is. But I, I was also yeah. fascinated, and certainly I want to dig into this with you, around at Ignite, there was, I don't know, a dozen sessions on the EU's new GDPR, and certainly SharePoint and Office 365, anywhere that we're creating documents that have potentially personally identifiable information on them, yeah. this is a big deal. And it's and it's coming soon. I mean, we're recording this in early October. We've got till we've got less than a year now. It's you've got to be implemented. Yeah, May May 2018 is when May 2018. The the big guillotine uh, will descend, and everybody has to from that point on be compliant from that point on. And then, of course, it's a journey ad infinitum, right? It's a continuum because it's not a project. It's not a one-off thing. It's, you know, it's a regulation. It's a complicated regulation that's given the EU and how they work that'll either be there until they supersede it or it'll be there forever. Yeah. One way or the other, I can't imagine them dialing this back. The only updates that'll happen to GDPR are going to be strengthenings, not weakenings. Like, should we go down the list? What is this thing about? So what's it about? Yeah. So that's a great question. I mean, it's pretty broad. General data protection <laughs> regulation. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's what that's one thing we're good at in the EU, right? Is is coming up with a broad brush with, <laughs> that has really specific points, uh, really bristly points to it. I think the key thing is, you know, it's it's a, it's constructed in an, in an, in the way that every other EU regulation is. So it's a big bold title and then underneath the hood i think it's now 99 what we call articles so 99 chapters if you like man and the, and the reality is is that all of these 99 chapters can be boiled down to kind of a handful of things like six things six principles if you will right so it's all about personally identifiable information you've already mentioned that so it's not about right. information about companies it's information about people individuals and and this is super important because most of the regulation that exists in most places tends to be more about organizations or specific types of organizations you know think healthcare think financial institutions you know they've historically had a lot of strange and an industry specific regulation the thing about the gdpr is it's anybody if you are in the eu as a as an individual you're covered off by the GDPR and the right. rules. And these six principles I touched on. So the first one is this notion of something called transparent handling. So organizations dealing with data that's, you know, of a personally identifiable nature, you know, they have to have a completely clear definition and approach to how they're using the data. There's about legitimacy, which for me is the really big one, right? Hmm. You know, this is the one which says, I've got your data. I have to now show a real legitimate genuine reason as to why i've got your data right this legitimacy angle is that really about just having permission by the individual to have the data not so much so there's there's a third part so i was just kind of coming onto it so mm -hmm. the third part of it is is kind of the collection and storage piece so there's kind of this a notion now that you have to have you know, at the moment, you know, you'll be familiar with the notion of things like opt-in yeah right. so you know sure. marketing data things like that people have to opt in with the GDPR, it's much more rigorous. It's it's what they're affectionately calling a positive opt-in. This notion of saying, hey, we're going to gather this about you. Are you cool with that? You say yes, and then you go back to them again and say, are you really cool with that? <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a two-step transaction. Right. And it's largely to solve the problems associated to not so much things like 
you know, clickbait and things like that. But it, it just solves the problems associated to give us your email address. I'll give you something of apparent value. Right. And then, his, and then after that, I'll bombard you with it with marketing messages or whatever and it's much more focused around this idea of saying you know you have to you have to really want to sign up to something well and also be able to unsign too absolutely and yeah. and you know the the unsign facet to it is the second part of this or the second facet of this third point is the collection storage and the next piece is then right to correct and right to remove right so you know this notion of saying so for instance as a seb seb you know i'm you know you wouldn't believe the number of databases i'm on where i'm down as sebastian and i'm like whoa sebastian is a cat's name mm-hmm. i'm not sebastian i'm just seb and at the moment it can be quite tricky to get people to change that right you know, even people that you have contractual arrangements with you know like cable TV or something like that. And under the GDPR, it's basically, it's in legislation. If, if something is wrong and I want you to change it, you have a really short period of time. I think it's 30 days or something. Wow. In which you change it and show evidence of that change. And the same to be said for removal. So if you have my information in any way, shape or form, for instance, if you look at the moment, things like unsubscribe from mailer lists, we all know that, you know, I'm, I'm a businessman. I know how mailing lists work. Yeah. All unsubscribe means I won't send you email. It doesn't mean I'll delete your data. I didn't delete a thing, right? Well, we've seen this in Facebook where people, quote unquote, delete their accounts and then for yep. whatever reason, add it back in. And oddly enough, all the old data reappears. Yeah, it's magical. It's Ooh, magic. You know, a land of fairies. And the notion with GDPR is, you know, it, removal means removal. Right. You know, it means deletion. It means removal of, of, of primary data, of, of related data, of relationships to other data. It's quite encompassing, and it's it's a challenge for the organisations. I think holding that data without a doubt. And then the other two facets, which are you know, which are simpler to explain. The next one is just time constraints, right? There are lots of rules now that basically say you have to do things within seventy-two hours, or one week, or one month, or one year, or whatever is appropriate. And then security. So of all of the facets of the GDPR, this is the one that's it's becoming. The obsessive part, sure. organizations are obsessive wing, but the reality is it's not the major part because in the main, I don't know about your experiences, but in the main, most organizations that I come across are actually better than they think at security. You know, they're better than they think. Largely, though, through change that they've had to make in recent times rather than necessarily privacy by design. Sure. No, I, and I think it's generally, it's a, you've had a breach or you've had some kind of disaster that suddenly puts a number on the cost of managing data well and allows you, you know, as an IT person, to get enough budget to actually do things properly. Absolutely. It's a crappy way to do it, but it's what happens. And it's interesting you've touched on that because one of the principles, if you kind of, if you look beyond the legalese of the GDPR and think about the spirit of the regulations, one of the elements, one of the facets that personally I find is is super interesting is this notion of, accepting the fact that nearly every organization will have in some way shape or form a breach of some type right okay and 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 you know it isn't quite written that you know it would be lovely if there was a clause there that says we get it you know stuff happens yes but but i am excited that there is a codification around behavior around data breaches specifically if it's got personal identifiable information and it has sanctions attached to it exactly that's huge and so it's all about how you respond right it's all about when the inevitable happens how will you as an organization respond to that what measures will you take to ensure that the people affected are informed mm-hmm. you know what measures will you take to ensure that to the best of your ability and current technology yada 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 
you know, you'll, you'll prevent these things from happening in the future. And I think as regulations go, as statutory things go, it's almost refreshingly different that they've taken the approach to say, we get it. Yeah, It's inevitable that this will happen, especially if you're a insert name of big company here, yeah. company. All that more likely. Yeah, they're the people that people want to attack. I always love the old mm-hmm. joke when I was a blue badge back in the day, the old joke about the fact that Microsoft had the best penetration team in the world. It was everybody that wasn't employed by Microsoft. <laughs> because everybody wanted to come in and break. Everybody wanted to find the problems. You know? And when you're a Unilever or a Boeing or a Bank of America or someone, there's constantly hordes of barbarians at the gates. Yes. right? And so knowing how you will respond to that and having that clearly articulated is super important. But I think the big thing, you know, and it's outside of the principles of the GDPR, the big thing, and if I was to, you know, use my time here with you today as a soapbox, the big thing that's important to understand about the GDPR is that it affects you. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're you know, from the USA or from Canada or from India or from Japan or from pretty much any country uh, on the planet and any organization in any country on the planet. If you're dealing with information associated to individuals inside the EU, then this affects you. Yes. And, you know, in, in my professional life, that's the one thing that terrifies me that so many CIOs don't seem to get. They don't get their noodle wrapped around the fact, hey, we're an American company, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You're not in the EU. It's like, ah, you've got EU <laughs> customers and that's all it takes. And it, it terrifies me because, you know, I've, I've in recent times sat in rooms with folk, you know, dotted about the US and it's not just the US, of course, but it's cool when you're over in Europe to, to hate on the US. No, I'm joking. I always thought you guys teased the Germans, but if it's, apparently well, it's teasing the Americans. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely drifting over to the US for, for obvious reasons with their, <laughs> uh, the, the commander in chief uh, doesn't exactly set himself up for, uh, for respect, does he? So. Well, you know, as a Canadian, we're generally pretty smug, but right now we're really quite smug. Really super smug. Yes. Hey, Seb, give me one second here to pay the bills. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of our leading projects called Already focuses on getting volunteers into the right place at the right time. HDBox is deploying this application in the field in the first half of 2017, and they need your help. Go to hdbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HDBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. And you're listening to Run As Radio. It's Richard Campbell talking to Seb Matthews, and uh, we were just making fun of the Americans, but I think we've also just spent a good 15 minutes terrifying everybody about the requirements around the GDPR. So what are we expected to do? I mean, is this, I'm just hoping there's a big red button you hit that, you know, GDPR safe, and then you're done. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to tell you that there was a big extra cloud button that we, that you could come to us and get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to make that product, right? GDPR in a box. Yeah, there, that would be awesome, right? The, the reality is that if as a user of IT, you're invested in Microsoft land, mm-hmm. right? Your your position is better than you think it might be because Microsoft are taking the GDPR very very seriously. Right. In fact, as you know, as as a consultant, as the owner of an organization that lives and breathes information management, we're astonished with how 
seriously Microsoft are taking the GDPR. I think the lover of Microsoft part of me just applauds it. The cynical part of me th- recognizes that they've they've identified a fantastic cash cow opportunity. But the reality is, is they're being very, very committed to it. You know, the first thing they've done is they've they've stood up some very, very important and very relevant contractual commitments inside Office 365 and parts of Azure. Right. That allows organizations from all over the world to benefit from effectively being able to back off risk associated to GDPR. That's a strong message for Microsoft to put out there to say, if you're using our tools, we're going to take on at least some of the risk around being GDPR compliant. I can't remember the last time I saw a vendor, you know, who had so much influence. Mm -hmm. You know, take such a stance. The responsibility that, that I think they've recognized and the investment that they've made in kind of turning that recognition of responsibility into tangible product, into tangible features inside Office 365 especially. It's frankly astonishing and it's nothing short of applaudable. For me at the moment, it's the starkest message of the new Microsoft. Everybody keeps talking about the new Microsoft. Right. And the GDPR and their approach to it and their notion of saying, look, we're going to help you with this four-step model. They have a model, they call it Discover, Manage, Protect, Report, which trips off the tongue and <laughs> building technologies into 365. So the DLP, the data loss prevention pieces, the uh, advanced data governance pieces, e-discovery, some of the cooler sounding stuff like customer lockbox. People are like, what? whatever, I don't know what it is, but I want one. Right. It's, you know, it sounds cool. And some of the more advanced, you know, they've got some very serious stuff inside the enterprise mobility and security stuff. So the advanced threat protection, the threat intelligence suite, you know, there are some knobs and switches inside 365. Largely, you know, a lot of them are powerful by just the scale that the Azure backend gives them, right? You know, sure. these sorts of things were, were impossible to do before you could spit a million virtual machines to just sit there grind, grinding away. But also to have that broad view. I mean, an attack in one place on Azure, and you've got sort of the best and brightest watching for that, means that they yeah. can block that and lock everyone else down at the same time. Like, we do get, as Azure customers, the benefit of being part of the masses, yeah. That you have this sort of rock star team that worries about this for all of Azure. So, you and you know, it's herd mentality all the way. Absolutely. I think, I th- if anything, you know, I, I think I remember when back in the days when, when the Microsoft Cloud was first coming out of being Hotmail and Xbox Live and into something a bit more professional, commercially minded. Sure. And, you know, the, the things like BPOS first came along. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could almost see at that point the pennies dropping inside some of the smarter folks at Microsoft, where they were seeing the value of the solution, the value of the service to the customer, although on the face of it, and what the partners went to the masses with was, it's cheap, it's cheap, it's cheap. I still yeah. do it now. I'm still like, why are you not running Exchange online? Why are you running Exchange on-premises? I, I'm guilty, man, but I was staring <laughs> at my server this weekend going, you need to go. It's time. Yeah. Enough. Exactly. And the cost saving alone, is it, it's a dictionary definition of no-brainer. Yeah. But but the reality is, and you, you, you've, you've said it sweetly, you know, the reality is, is the benefit you get is the kind of, you know, s- safety in numbers, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, it's the 10 million little fish looking like a shark stuff. Well, it's also, it's, it's Microsoft's own properties are running in there too. Like they're as much defending their presence online as they are defending yours. Absolutely. You know, it, pretty much with their dog fooding, you know, pretty much everything they're doing is, you know, is running inside the stack in some way, shape or form. I, I was at a call uh, a while ago now, maybe 18 months ago, where their general counsel people were talking about using Matters Center, you know, so this kind of legally focused 
thing that they've kind of invented inside Office 365. And it's like, whoa, you know, Microsoft famously one of the organizations most engaged in intellectual property protection and batting away threats and claims to their technologies all of the time. They're perfectly happy to keep all of this information in Office 365, you know, it's not in it's not in it's not in servers in a vault in a bunker. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've never heard of Matter Center, but this is specifically focused on legal. Yeah, so it's you know, don't get me wrong, it's 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 not a super mature, super awesome thing, but it's you know, for an for an organ, you know, if you're if you're Slaughter and May or somebody like that, then sure, it's of no interest to you. But if you're one of the thousands and thousands and thousands of you know, smaller law firms dotted around the world who are looking for, you know, a mechanism to leverage from the benefits and the herd mentality of the cloud. Something like Matter Center is nailed on. And, and in fact, actually, it's the sort of thing that you can just you can just Bing for it, right? Google Bing for it, right? Just Matter Center and you'll stumble across it. Or right. uh, you can come across it just, you know, Microsoft.com slash GDPR. So nice and easy to remember. And you'll be able to find the Matter Center kind of behind the GDPR stuff that's in the Trust Center because they're kind of proud of it. I'm astonished you've not heard of it, but at the same time, I'm kind of not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's not, it's also overwhelming, right? There's so many moving parts yeah. around this. And the drum of the GDPR coming has been very loud. It's just a challenge to sort through, all right, what, what are we, where are we going? How are we going to approach this? I mean, I appreciate if I'm already using Office 365 and SharePoint and I'm following their standards, I'm going to be compliant. It, certainly, there's ways that I can, I, I can screw that up. But a lot of these sure. out-of-the-box configurations and you know, advanced threat protection and so forth are, are going to take me a long way. It's a heck of a lot easier than staring at your own data center and saying, how would I pass an audit? And I think that's the key. I think that that's absolutely, you, you, you've beautifully identified the kind of the, the decision point, the DP there, which is that, you know, for sure, if you pick up your business and put it into Office 365, you're not going to be compliant to the GDPR Straight out of the box. In the same way as you wouldn't be compliant to HIPAA or PCR no. or whatever, you know, straight out of the box. There's still work for you to do. But it's now shared responsibility, which is awesome because before that, it was sole responsibility. Yeah. Right? So straight away, you've benefited from being inside the Microsoft stack. And also what it does is that this is, this is the opportunity, which I think is the big one for organizations as they move into 365. No matter how big, it doesn't matter if they're five people or 500,000 people as well. I think this is one of those great cloud is a leveler type facets, is that you can introduce privacy by design into your IT operations as part of your migration program. And this is one of the things that we're very focused on at the moment in some of our projects and some of our customers is saying, okay, we get that you've done a ton of work with coming up with all of your clever constructs around SharePoint and all of your clever constructs around how you're going to use OneDrive and, and da, 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 da. But what you really need to be doing is thinking about, we call it the six P's framework. It really doesn't trip off the tongue, but it works on a nice slide. You know, this notion of saying, you know, you need to be thinking about placement. Where is something? You need to think about process. How are we going to manage it? You need to think about people. You need to educate them. You need to think about products. Not all of the pieces of Office 365 are usable by all organizations. One right. of the headaches a lot of organizations come across is the really, really neat stuff is only available in the most expensive license yes. uh, SKUs. Yeah. So that's an interesting challenge for some organizations. You need to think about privacy. You know, at the end of the day, the GDPR is all about privacy. And you need to think about protection in, you know, in the context of security, 
intrinsic security, software security, blah, right. blah, blah. And you know, with those kind of that kind of 6P framework, 75% of that, the Lego blocks are inside Office 365 and Azure for you. Sure. Yeah. And all you got to do is assemble them. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. I I also got to think again, it's the audit, right? I mean, I've dealt with enough different kinds of audits in the financial services space and so forth. Like in the end, I'm looking a guy in the eye and saying, I've got this to be able to point at Azure and Office 365 and say, these guys are backing me. Like from an auditor's perspective, that I got to think that takes the heat down a little. It's like, okay, but he's probably got a set of specifications around if you're using Azure, how are you using it? What does this look like? So, so here you go. True story and a convenient little plug for something that my company does, right? Mm-hmm. Is two years ago, if we'd have sought to get Extastore, our 365 records management product, accredited to various accreditations, you know, for a small business, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars of investments in audits and heck knows what else to make all of that possible. Yeah, whether it's ISO standards, whether it's DOD standards, it doesn't matter. You know, there's standards for everything, right? Right. The reason that we uh, have been able to bring Extastore to market so quickly is because we're native in the Microsoft cloud. Everything is in Azure and Office 365. So 75, 80% of the compliance legwork has been done. Right. And Microsoft will give us a contract that says, as long as you're using our stuff in the way we want, we, you know, you should be using it, which clearly we are, you're golden. Any litigation you find yourself in, we've got your backs. Absolutely. And that's not just from a perspective of an ISV, that's an end user. And it doesn't matter if you're one person or one million people, Microsoft have got your back. Mm-hmm. And as I said at the top of this, that is, I, I can't explain how that makes me feel about Microsoft as an organization. Delight, I think, is the, is the right word because. They understand their responsibility in all of this. And you'll remember, especially when BPOS and 365 first emerged, and people looked at things like the highfalutin financially backed SLAs. And all anybody ever said, oh, they've got no skin in the game. They've got no skin in the game. I run a million dollar a day business. What use is it to me getting 35% of my monthly license subscription back if it's offline for two days? (laughs) Yeah. True. Microsoft have no skin in the game. Now, all of a sudden, Microsoft are saying, hold on. We get it that you need confidence in us. We get it that you need to be able to trust us. And we're prepared to put our reputation on the line that we are so confident that what we're doing in this space is, it's never, ever going to be entirely intrusion proof. It's no. never going to be entirely you know, proof of anything. You know, it's never going to be impregnable, invulnerable. But we're so confident that our ability to respond, our ability to notice something happening over here in the USA and prevent it from happening in Europe, in the Far East, in Australasia, whatever. And we'll write it down and we'll give it to you signed in Satya's blood to say we've got your back. (laughs) And I got to think they're the ones who are going to tell you about a breach before you even know about it if you're running in their infrastructure. You know, (laughs) again, another true story. A few weeks ago, we were very lucky, and one of our customers is one of, by Microsoft's own words, one of their most important Office 365 customers in the world. So right. we get a lot of privilege with that, right? And I was sat in a room with some pretty important customer folks and pretty important Microsoft folk, and the most junior guy in the room, before anybody had noticed they were having problems with email, said, oh, the admin center says that Exchange is having a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the guys got their devices, and they're like, oh, yeah. I got no email. You know, and, and it's like, think of the last time the vendor knew something was going wrong. Yeah. 
before you did before before the user did especially with something like email mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that people are people are just attached to and you know, they're committed and I, I i think that's one of the reasons why folk like us remain more committed to that ecosystem is because they're dang serious about doing it right and putting right all the wrongs that people believe have occurred over the last 30 years. Well, and I think these are new times, new gear, new mindset. Yeah. I don't know of anybody else quite as immersed, you know, I think back to Ray Ozzy talking about the cloud at the very beginning. And it's like, this is a product that we need internally to operate all of these different properties that we have. Yeah. And right now is running in separate infrastructure with separate teams. Like it's crazy. So the fact that we get to ride along with them and, you know, perhaps cumulatively we're larger than all the things they're doing. I mean, almost certainly, but it's everybody's in the same boat. I, I like being in that boat. It's a pretty, it's a sweet boat. <laughs> it's a good boat. That's a heck, that's a heck of a boat. And, uh, and we only have a few months like this, this being compliant with the EU, I, I don't want to say I can't wait for, but it's going to be very interesting to see the first breaches after May 2018 that impact EU customers. I think it'll be, you know, you, you look at the, the predecessors to the European Privacy Directive and stuff like that, some of the predecessors to the GDPR. I did some research a while back, a couple of years ago, where I was trying to find examples of successful litigation for breaches mm-hmm. and the only example i could find i think this uh, a spanish company had been fined like three thousand euros you know so i don't even i don't know how i, I, I can't even think how that translates into dollars but not very much <laughs> right well, and now what's the starting fine for a sanction under gdpr 10 million euros it's serious right and, yeah. and and what it'll boil down to ignoring the numbers right what it'll boil down to is if it happens yeah mm-hmm. and the reality is the likelihood of it not happening is nil essentially zero so it ha- you you just have to follow the process they're not going to find you willy-nilly if you've gone through the process of managing a data breach correctly and could show good intent yep and i think the words are right in the articles here and you've done your notifications and so forth and properly declared yourself and the timelines are short 72 hours yep then sanctions aren't required I- exactly and, and ignoring the fact that just how refreshing that is i've already touched on this how refreshing yeah. that is, is in the concept of you know of law the simplicity of it you know if you ignore the complexity of the of the regulation and all the directives and whatnot at a high level that you know it's actually pretty simple to understand and as i said it's all about how you manage the breach right and if you're an organization that just trips and stumbles your way towards inevitable breach, you're going to get the book thrown at you. Sure. Especially if you then follow it with a cover-up or, you know, selling stock in the company before you do the announcement. <laughs> Not that anybody would do that, but... Yeah, such a thing. Such a thing. When I think about <laughs> where I would like to throw a couple of fines, I then some names come to mind. One or two, right? Yeah. One or two. And, and I think one of the reasons, you know, that the example you've just cited, of course, the alleged example that you've cited uh, is, you know, that's one of the reasons why things like the 72-hour rule has been part, is part of the directive. Right. Is, is it makes it much harder for even very large organizations to maneuver at corporate speeds. Yes. And to find excuses to postpone, to try and shape, to to play the PR game. Yeah. This is what regulation was for. It's a level playing field between the individuals that represent a government and the organizations that work with those individuals. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that a lot, Seb. And I think, you know, let's hope that this is a template going forward 
around the world for responsibility with data. You know, software is eating the world. We have expectations for how it should be digested. I, I think the first 12 months will be vital. Yeah. I think the, the EU have a tough job ahead of themselves because the getting the balance right, to quote the awesome Depeche Mode, is, you know, get, getting that balance is going to be tricky. Mm-hmm. The EU as a machine is, you know, laced with bureaucracy left, right, and center. So yeah. it, it can move slowly from time to time. And, you know, they, they have to be seen to be firm. They have to be seen to be holding the line. They have to be seen to be executing against both the terms and the spirit of the regulation and its directives. And I think if if they get it right, you're absolutely right. It, 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 there's no reason why it can't become a blueprint for every other region on God's good earth to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to pick up the model and use it to protect the individual, which ultimately what it, is what it's all about, right? So. Absolutely. Seb Matthews, so much fun to talk about what's sort of quite a serious subject. I grabbed a bunch of links for folks to learn more. Uh, awesome. The Trust Center and the Matter Center and Data Loss Prevention and so on. Where can people find you? Well, they can find me in the cloud. Um, so uh, just look around and if you see a guy that's the only guy flying that's not wearing the cape, that's me. Um, <laughs> but, but joking aside, at Seb Matthews on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, so so uh, one of the great things about having a slightly unusual name, my identity is the same everywhere. SebMatthews.net is where I blog when I've got time. But just out in the community, that's where people find me. That's how we met each other, right? Mm-hmm. Just being out in uh, in, the, in the world of the community and just come find me and I'll buy you a drink because that's my thing. Well, we're both going to be at Dev Intersection at the end of October. Yeah, I literally cannot wait. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Seb Matthews, thanks for coming on the show. Take it easy. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Radio.